There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose to elicit passion, inspire contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I converse with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience researching, consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. In these weekly conversations, it is my intention that you derive value you can immediately apply to your personal and work lives, so I invite you to listen in from that vantage point. And it is my fervent hope that you come alive with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and seeing just how big and fulfilling your life and work can be. And if you do catch fire, as I like to say, I don't want to leave you without a support line. Your call to action is to reach out to me via email at eliseeliscortez.com or use the contact me feature on my website, eliscortez.com, to message me. Tell me how I can help, whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, you want to learn about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community, or you want information on my purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals and companies. We'll get you taken care of. Back to the content. If you missed last week's program, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Angela Langlotz, an intellectual property attorney. Uh, yeah, specializing in online trademark and copyright issues. An entrepreneur herself and having marketed products online for over 10 years, Angela is acutely aware of the unique issues that online marketers face with regard to domain name issues, copyright issues, and cyber squatting. We talked about how entrepreneurs can protect and monetize their ideas. With us this week is J.G. Botella, the author of Bring Your Strength, The Invitation Men Have Been Waiting For. It is a new leadership paradigm which supports women leaders and the hidden demographic of men in leadership positions who are ready to actively support women's leadership. He is the co-founder of BringYourStrength.com and Fierce Women LLC, a platform which brings together strong women leaders to share their stories with girls and help them build an expanded sense of what's possible for their futures. We'll be talking about the problem of how women leaders are supported in the workplace the opportunity he sees to address it through a special invitation to men, and the win both genders and future generations will reap. He joins us today from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. JG, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hello, Elise. Thank you so much, and I'm thrilled to be on the show. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thanks again for having me. Well, you're welcome, JG. I'm really, really happy to help support and evangelize your cause. I believe in what you're up to. You are clearly a man on a crusade for inclusivity and an advocate for equality for all. So to get us started, because what I think is great about this, if I can just point out the obvious, you're a man out there (laughs) trying to catalyze women's leadership, and I think that's great. So let's start talking a little bit about the work that you did that maybe got you interested, and I know something about the Fierce Women Portrait Project, but I'm not sure if that's where Mm -hmm. it started. Right, right, definitely. Thanks, Elise, for asking. I, um, yeah, my background is in the arts. My, I'm a musician, a painter, but so my background is in in the arts and education, and really in social justice. And and you know, for whatever reason, those are the things that I was really wired. I'm just 
that's how I'm wired. I think I really came in to this world loving music and painting and visual arts just so much from a very young age. And I also was always obsessed with equality. And I don't know why I'm wired that way. I, I, I've just always been obsessed with equality. I'm still obsessed with equality. And, and um, you know, there's so many things that I could never understand as far as why are things like this? You know, I mean, it seems so basic to me that everybody should be treated equally. I don't even think it's complex, whether it's race or gender or orientation, we should be treated equally. And I think when you say it like that, it seems so simple, you know, and, and so... But, um, but yeah, I remember from a very young age, and for me, the intro was, um, I remember being at my grandmother's house, and she had those Time Life uh, magazines, and big Time Life books on her coffee table, and I remember reading those with those big, amazing pictures, and they had the, the Civil Rights Movement in there, and I was very just riveted to those images, Dr. King and, and the folks, you know, in the Civil Rights Movement, and, and it was the kind of thing where I was so young where... I didn't fully understand or comprehend what was going on in those photos, but I knew something big and huge was happening. And I was so just inexplicably just drawn to that and, and transfixed by those images. And then as I got older, I started to understand what was going on in those images. And, and then my next question, as I got a little bit older, became, you know, wow. I just became a really curious around how does one do that? Like, how does a human being um, summon the requisite courage needed to, to, to go do what they did to fight injustice or to fight for equality? I, I just couldn't even wrap my head around how you could summon that amount of courage. So I, I was very, you know, and I went on to, you know, to, to really stay with that, that obsession. And, and I, it expressed itself through my work. I, I'm a, musician, as I said, and I created this concept album called The Divided States of America, which is a whole album on race in America. And I was constantly teaching and doing workshops and talking about and writing about, you know, how do we get past these, these problems? And I, I was really focused on race in America, you know, and I was, I was writing about this conversation we could be having, you know, there's this conversation we have now, but there's this other conversation we could be having about race, but we never get there. And, and so that, that was my background for a long time. And, and it was interesting because I never really, regarding men and women and gender and gender equity, I never studied that. And I never did work in that arena. And, you know, I supported the work, but it was like, you know, I, at the time, you know, I had, I have an older sister, younger sister, and they asked me, why aren't you out there supporting women? And I said, well, I, I support it. I just not, you know, my thought at the time was, well, you know, it's like if there's a doctor working on a cure for cancer, you're not going to ask them, like, why aren't you working on Alzheimer's? <laughs> like, it's, like, I support, it's like, hey, I support Alzheimer's, you know, research. But, um, you know, but, but really what's interesting is about five and a half years ago, the work found me. And, and it was through art because I had just wanted to get back really into portrait painting. I had never done it. I hadn't painted in ages. And I, I just asked a friend of mine, I saw the striking photograph and I said, wow, can I paint a portrait of that? And, um, she said, yeah, sure. So I painted this portrait and then she fell in love with the portrait and said, oh, this is great. Can I buy this from you? And I said, sure. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. So then I did another one of another friend and then a colleague. And, and so to be honest, at least the whole project, um, just really did kind of take on a life of its own. And, you know, so I started doing all these paintings and I don't know, six months or so went by and 
I had one of those epiphany moments where I kind of picked up my head, looked around and, and said, wow, you know, all of these women whose portraits I'm painting are some incredible, strong women leaders or some really fierce women. And I thought, wow, that'd be a great name. I should do a portrait series and I should just call the whole series, the fierce women series. And so that's what I did. I started to do that. And, but what happened was the more I talked to all these awesome women leaders from all over the country started in Pittsburgh where I'm from. And it was, the interest level was really high and, and everyone thought, oh, I love that name. Fierce Women's is great. And what happened was I really started to be intentional around what do these women care about? And just listening to them, like what do they value? What do they care about most? And I found that all these women leaders from again, cross sector law, journalism, arts, medicine, higher ed, cross sectors and industries that um, they, they all there's this commonality where they all valued leadership development and mentoring. And they really, really valued being able to share their stories in a way that would impact, inspire and help young women and girls. And it was just a common thing. And so what we did was we started to have events and Carnegie Mellon university here in Pittsburgh, they sponsored us. We partnered with youth serving nonprofits in the city. And then we did an event with Brown university in Providence and the youth serving nonprofits there. And then with Harvard started um, the series, part of the portraits here there. And then about uh, 12 different cities across the country where I, I represented women leaders from those different cities. And it just kind of grew very organically. Um, but what happened was when we started having those events, the, the feedback was such that, you know, the women would say, you know, this is great because it doesn't feel like a regular leadership networking event. This is different. You know, it's like I'm, I'm hearing my colleagues share their story with these girls, but somehow witnessing what happens when the girls hear the story. And these are all women who frankly, these girls would never have an opportunity to really meet in a group. You know, they, you're not, they're not going to meet these women. Just, they're not going to look in these, CEO biography, dusty tomes on a shelf somewhere. Like they don't even know all these awesome women in their own communities. So, um, so anyway, that, that's what we did. And, and over time, over a course of a couple of years, what began to happen was a lot of the women leaders said to me, you know, JG, we love what you're doing. We love fierce women. We love this whole thing, but you know, it would be really great if we could get more men involved. Like how do we get more men engaged, you know, in terms of supporting women's leadership, supporting gender equity, supporting this idea of an unlimited future for girls and like all of this, like how do we get more guys involved? And I honestly, it's like, I didn't have an answer to that question. You know, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, and of course there are movements out there. There's a he for she, you know, there, there's all kinds of great stuff going on. Um, but still, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it, what's the language and this gets into what we're doing now with, with bring your strength um, is what's this new normal we're trying to get to and how do we talk about it? What's the actual language? And, and I think that's the work we're doing with organizations is giving them a framework and an actual lexicon. And I'd like to get, hopefully get back to that a little more, get more in depth with that, but it's, it's, you know, we don't even have the language for how we're supposed to navigate and get to this, this new normal, you know? 
Yeah, and I do want to talk more about that after we get into the next the next segment, so we have time to really to dive into it. But before we do that, I, if you could, JG, two things, both from the, the women's and then the men's vantage point. So for women, just very briefly, what are you hearing from them that's not working in terms of being leaders in the workplace? What's What's the problem there for them? Well, you know, I think the stuff that you hear about, well, there's, of course, you know, on the spectrum, you have harassment, you know, on the real end of blatant harassment, abuse, you know, the, the horrible stuff that, that gave rise to the Me Too movement, you know, that whole part of the spectrum, which is just, you know, horrible and awful, you know, but then you have uh, moving uh, a little bit away, uh, a lot farther on the spectrum, the, the, the women have told me, you know, the, the, the more subtle aspects of it, the more, you know, not being included in the crucial conversations, not going out to the golf course, not just, there's so many opportunities that are, that just, they're frankly not privy to because they're, they're just not in that social network, you know? And so they're, they're missing out on deals or missing out on promotions or missing out. And this is even with, you know, people who aren't necessarily being inappropriate or harassing or anything like that, but it's just, they're not part of it. You know, so they miss out on the opportunities. Um, but then I think also too, you know, and I've had really amazing conversations over the past couple of years with all these women leaders that I've sought out again from across sectors. And, and I've sought them out from the perspective of, Hey, your leaders, what does it look like for men to, you know, seek out leadership from women leaders and and listen and hear what it is that they're asking for and what they want and what their vision is. And, um, you know, and, and, and so for me personally, part of my journey, so like me personally, I have, I, and I don't know if it's only because of how I grew up, but I grew up with an older sister, a younger sister, a mom who's a super strong woman. And my wife, I always joke that my wife and my mom are like the fiercest women I know, which is true. And, and so for me, I, I'm not, I was never threatened by a woman's power or threatened by strong women or like, I, to me, I always was inspired and energized by strong women. And, and you know, so, so to me, that that wasn't a thing, but I think that because of how we're socialized, you know, we're brought up as boys, you could be strong, be tough, don't show your emotions, don't be a sissy, don't be a girl. You know, you're still brought up this way. We're still these old ideas about what it means to be strong and have power means to be weak and and so all these these messages we still carry with us and and so I think it's hard because if, if for a lot of guys who grew up with that and perhaps didn't unpack all that or shed all that, they're still carrying that around and, and, and trying not to look weak or so then a strong woman comes in and frankly, they're threatened by her power, you know? And so unless they're really secure in their own masculinity and manhood, they're going to be threatened by her power. And so it's challenging and it's jarring. And so really it's sad because consequently, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with strong women leaders, women leaders who, who are just really in organizations where a lot of the guys are with are threatened by their power. Okay. You know, now that, that sorry, but I just want to add the real tail end of that. That being said though, there are lots of professional women who I've talked to who, who, hasten to add that, hey, I had a great colleague who, who really helped me and who really sponsored me. And there were mm-hmm. a lot of wonderful men in my organization. So they're not, they're not male bashing. You know, they're not right. they're saying there are a lot of great, great guys in the organization too, but I have had challenges with some of the guys who just don't want to see me make a decision or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So real quick to finish this part on women then. So just in a nutshell, what are women really asking of men in the workplace in your view? Right, right. So I think, I think really a lot of the women are asking for a seat at the table. They're asking for, Hey, don't, don't just mentor young women in the organization. Don't just, don't just mentor us, sponsor us, you know, like do the same thing you do for the young men, speak up for us, recommend us, bring us to the table, take an active proactive. That's the number one thing. I'm hearing now, especially as, you know, in the wake of Me Too and then in the wake of the current diversity inclusion sort of modality is, which is valuable and important as a step one, which is, okay, let's teach you about your unconscious implicit biases around gender. We have them around everything, race, gender, everything, but it's like, what, we're going to train the men and teach them about their implicit biases so we can uh, bring that to light and then deal with it. And that's great. Uh, problem is there's not a really powerful, compelling step two. what comes after that step one. And that's the work that Christina, my business partner with Fierce Women and Bring Strength are so passionate about addressing and giving is this, this step two, you know, but, but so that, that's the thing is, okay, fine. You, you, you did the training, you showed up, but I think to get back to your question, at least is the women are so many asking, okay, how do we get the men into action? How, how do we move them into action? How do we activate them? And see, and, and just to draw a distinction and the nuance is we're not talking about making men activists and hardcore feminist activists who are going to go march for women's rights every single day of their lives. We're not talking about activists and activism. We're just talking about activating. How, how do we give them a way to, to be proactive and do more than, because a lot of men want to do more than just sort of come to the obligatory diversity and inclusion training, learn a few things, da, 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 learn, have some epiphanies, but then how do we give them a way in, to move into action uh, in a sort of on an ongoing basis? Okay, great. Hold that thought, JG. Let's grab our first break because I want to talk more about that when we get into the next segment. Segment. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with JG Pochella. He's the author of Bring Your Strength, The Invitation Men Have Been Waiting For. It is a new leadership paradigm which supports women leaders and the hidden demographic of men in leadership positions who are ready to actively support women's leadership. He joins us today from Pittsburgh. We've been talking a bit about how we got into this business and what he's up to to help women. After the break, we're going to talk about the opportunity that exists to be able to bring men into this conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
If you're just joining us, my guest is J.G. Potella. He is the author of Bring Your Strength, The Invitation Men Have Been Waiting For. It is a new leadership paradigm which supports women leaders and the hidden demographic of men in leadership positions who are ready to actively support women's leadership. He is the co-founder of BringYourStrength.com and Fierce Women LLC, a platform which brings together strong women leaders to share their stories with girls and help them build an expanded sense of what's possible for their futures. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, JG, if we can, I want to really focus next on the on the the male part part of the equation here. And when I read your book, one of the things that you said that what women really want is is they they want men to be a man rather than a boy, and have men be comfortable in their masculinity so they can show up, contribute, listen, and work in a team. So they don't want them not to be men. Um, but what you also say in your book is that the current model to engagement as allies to women is incomplete. Say more about that. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, Elise. Thank you. And it, so, so really, as I said before, there's a there's a great step one currently. You know, in in this step one is, hey, look, just like anything, before we can change, we have to have an awareness of the behavior. Like, how, how are we supposed to change if we're not even aware of it? So that's really a lot of the prevalent work right now with diversity inclusion around gender equity and, and engaging men as allies. And there are a lot of great programs out there in corporate settings, nonprofit, other settings that are doing this work, which I laud, I think is, is good work and it's research based. So it's important. Um, and I, I just want to emphasize that I, I would in no way minimize the value of that work. I think it's an important first step. I just think there's a big, huge missed opportunity right now. And, and that there is a, that this this group of men who are in the middle of the spectrum that I call this hidden demographic of men who really, who get it and care, but who aren't necessarily activists per se, but, but who give them, where do I sign to say, yeah, of course women should get paid the same as men for doing the same work. It's, it's a no brainer. And so there are a lot of men who fall in this hidden demographic category, but the thing is right now there isn't this compelling invitation to them. So, 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 so there's a step one around, okay, all right, guys, we're going to have the diversity inclusion training at the organization. We'd like you to come and, and we're going to teach you about your implicit biases. So that's, and, and there's been really phenomenal programming out there where it's like, wow, it was amazing. You know, we just like, well, it was, it was really deep and we got to it and had these epiphanies and worked together. And, you know, but w- what I've heard, time and time again, talking to folks in different organizations, again, across sectors all across the country over the, this past year is, is that, you know, we had a great event with, with implicit bias training. It was really deep and powerful. And then like four weeks later, like nothing's changed in the organization. Right. And it's not for any ill will or anything, but it's like, there's not an embeddable framework that corporations can, organizations can, iterate upon. There's not a framework that they can take up as an, as a experiential learning kind of process and then embed it and then iterate on it. Right. You know, and, but even aside from that more technical thing about embedding a program in, in an organization, just on an energetic level, and this is getting at your question, at least think about on an energetic level, even for the guys who are willing and who decent guys who, you know, yeah, let's do this. Let's go to this thing. Of course, you know, I'm going to do the right things. Women should be treated with respect, you know, good guy. What can I do? Even for them, still the message, the energy, if you think about it, is, is still kind of one of, 
okay, guys, come on, let, let's go to this implicit bias meeting training thing. We should, we should do it. We should really, you know, we should go help the women. We should show up for the women. It's the right thing to do. Let's do it. You know, so that, that's the kind of energy and, and, and see that the elephant in the room is really kind of this unexamined, unexplored stuff around social psychology, psychological, social, how we have been socialized to understand strength. And that's why the book and the program shall bring your strength because that's the invitation to these men in the hidden demographic. It is, Hey guys, guess what? You don't have to leave your strength in masculinity and maleness in your ideas of what it means to be strong as a man. You don't have to leave that at the door, bring it, bring your strength, bring all your ideas of what it means to be as strong as a person, as a leader, as a coworker, colleague, and as a man, not the toxic masculinity, whatever, but your positive idea of masculinity and that bring that to the table. Okay, and see, yeah. And so, hold on. I want to grab something real quick if I can, real quick. So, because we're going to talk more about yeah. that, but I, I want to make sure that the the audience can understand and distinguish something that I think is very important that you do in your book. Yeah. And I think yes. that that whole idea of the hidden demographic, embedded within the spectrum that you describe, is is profoundly important for them to get for all of us to get because to identify where mm-hmm. we are in that spectrum is the start right. i think so really quick so mm-hmm. you talk about the middle of the spectrum between the academics who mm-hmm. study gender equity full-time as being one end of the spectrum and mm-hmm. the hateful mm-hmm. sexists on the very very farther mm-hmm. other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's those perspectives right. in the middle that we that are really the hidden demographic that probably has the ability to be tapped and and developed so i think it's really important that listeners hear that there's this wide wide variety of, of people along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because you do talk about, you know, how they how men and boys have been socialized to define their strength. You said that in the, in the beginning, you know, to be strong, to deny physical pain, to deny fear and sadness and embrace aggression and anger. Um, that goes back to the energy thing that you were talking about. If we're coming into this conversation really, uh, you know, against all interest or will or being even sort of apathetic about it, that's different than engaging from that norm, you know, air quotes, normal male perspective of strength. Um, so now the question becomes, what is the essential position of the message to invite men to engage and support women leaders? That's great. Yeah. So what's the invitation, right? What is yeah. the actual invitation? Yeah. What's the nature? And, and, and here's the thing. And, and that's, so instead of that other energy of like, okay, come on guys, we should do this. This, this invitation is, Hey guys, let's build something. This, this come and build something together. And, and, and I always use the analogy of, of uh, habitat for humanity. And, and I talk about how it's, it's really human nature. Like why do people do volunteer work? Well, it's human nature. It feels good to do good, right? We feel good when we help others. So that, so it's a very, it's a human nature to, to, to do that. And with Habitat for Humanity, it's like, think about that. Hey guys, um, this family needs a home. Like they literally need a house. Let, let's all come together and help them. And we're going to physically build them a house. So when you're done with that, what do you get to walk away from as the human being? What's, what's the feeling you get to walk away from with? It's not like, Oh, that was cool. It's like, Whoa, how amazing is that? We've literally just built this family a home. So you get to walk away feeling that and that's a powerful feeling. So my thought was with this work, what would it be like to invite men to an experience where they could walk away feeling like they just built something with a group of amazing people? So the invitation is, guys, come and build. Let's come, bring your full masculinity, bring all your strengths, 
and come to the table with these amazing women leaders and let's co-create and co-lead and let's build this amazing future. And the thing about it is this isn't hype either. Like, this is the epic call that men have been waiting for. This, the book is Bring Your Strength, the invitation men have been waiting for. So it's really an epic call. It, it's like if you really think about it, again, it's not hyperbole because it's right now we have daughters who've got what, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds who, who, are, who are still dealing with this idea of, of, of what they can and cannot do. And what are the norms and what are the, there, there's still so much work to do. And so that if we do this work now, it's imperative that we do it globally. I mean, it, but, but the work that we come together and do as men from our place of strength with our positive masculinity in collaboration with women to change this is, is literally going to have repercussions and reverberations for generations, for our daughters, our granddaughters. Our so it's like, this is an epic call. So, so think of the energy of that. And, you don't, and again, you don't have to be an activist. You don't have to be me, someone like me who's writing about this, or talking about it on shows. Like, this is just part of my path. But that's, we don't need a bunch of guys like me talking about it like this in this particular fashion. It, it, it's for, for lack of a better term, every guy, regular men, just guys who, you know, regular guys who are good guys you know, who, who care about their daughters and granddaughters. And they don't even have to have daughters, but it's, it's like, this is an epic call. And, and I think men respond to epic calls and to an invitation to build something powerful from a place of their own power and strength. Okay, so JG, beautiful. And that right there is the reason I wanted to have you on the show. I think that the work that you're up to is is something that society desperately needs and that both men and women win when we do this right. That's why I want to have you on the show, right? And the fact that this Thanks. is something, mm-hmm. you're welcome. This is also something that's not going to help just us, but also the generations to come. And I think it's profoundly uh, important to give voice to. And so what I want to really call out here for our listeners is I appreciate how you've distinguished something to invite the men. There's no shoulding in there. There's no you shouldn't and right, don't nope. don't be a man and don't be less of a man. None of that. It's we're inviting you to build something. And I think that is a, a wonderful way to invite men into the conversation and into the effort. So I really want to applaud how mm-hmm. choiceful and careful you've been about your, your wording. It, it seems to me that that mm-hmm. would be an invitation that men would 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 want to accept. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I, and I, I think in so many men that I've talked to, you know, again, they, they all, they fall into this. So many men I know fall into this hidden demographic, you know, who, who, you know, decent guys who, and, and I always say as a litmus test, I always say like to a guy who's maybe in his forties or fifties, you know, say to, say to him, okay, Hey, look, so your daughter's about to graduate college and get a job. And, um, Hey, you know, uh, is it okay? She's going to, she's going to start and, and we're going to pay her about 80% of this guy next to her in class next, next month after graduation. Is, is it, you good with that? Are you, you cool with that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so this guy's going to be like, what? You want to pay my daughter 80% of this knucklehead? She's sitting next to her. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're going to pay her 80%. So it's, it's ridiculous. Like it's, it's, it's a no, it's a no brainer. And yet the science, or not the science, the research shows us that, but the rate we're going now is going to be 80 more years to women get paid the same. So it's, it's really ridiculous. Like they, and so many men see this, you know, now, now look, that being said though, at least the other thing it's, it's also important to, to note, change isn't easy. People fight change. Change takes time. 
change. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Personal change is uncomfortable. Personal growth is uncomfortable. Personal growth every day, getting in shape. There's so many things that there's inertia and it's, and it's individual and it's, it's group, it's societal too. So we're talking about social change and that's hard. And we're also talking about within organizations, changing the norm, a cultural norm within any organization. We're trying to get to a new normal. So guess what? People are going to fight it. They're going to be, and, and there are going to be people on the ends of the spectrum who are going to be mad and who are going to try to stop it and are going to put up roadblocks and, and, and just call you names or whatever. Right. So that's that's kind of like the nature of the beast. But we really can't let that stop us because that, the, 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 the hidden demographic, that's the lever for change and the rest will follow. Mm-hmm. I get that. Now, along, the, along those lines, I do hear you about the resistance to change, and growth is hard, ter- terribly uncomfortable. We know that, and it's very hard to change that tide. But one of the other things that you talk about in the book that I think is very compelling, and I think it would help men at least take notice of the conversation and, and at least listen for a moment, and that is that strong women value men comfortable in their masculinity. Say more mm, about that. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's the other thing that, that, that again, ha, came up from all these conversations. And, and this is me just, again, I'm not putting myself out there here. Let me tell you about what women want. I'm no expert on that. I'm saying, here's what I've heard from the women I've talked to. Like, here's what I'm hearing from these conversations and, and, and the conversations from so many very strong women in, in leadership roles, powerful women, it's like, yeah, I, I don't want a passive man. I don't, in the workplace or at home, I don't want a weak person. I don't want to emasculate you. That's not what I want. I want a man who's a man and not a boy in the workplace and at home. I, I, I want a man who's, who's grown up, who, who's secure in his manhood, who's not threatened by me if I want to do X, Y, or Z. But, but I don't want to take away his man. I don't want to emasculate him. So that's, you know, and that's the thing that gets really sort of complicated in there. It gets, it gets, it gets very mixed up, but it's true. So many women, it's like, yeah, that's not what we're asking for. And I think a lot of men don't know that there's a lot of, um, you know, lack of clarity too around. Yeah. What, what do they want? (laughs) Right. And what are they asking of us? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let, grab our last break here because I want to focus the last bit of this conversation on the win for both the genders. So hang tight for just a second, J.G. I'm Elise okay. Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with J.G. Bacella. He is the author of Bring Your Strength, the invitation men have been waiting for. It is a new leadership paradigm which supports women leaders and the hidden demographic of men in leadership positions who are ready to actively support women's leadership. He joins us today from Pittsburgh. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
If you're just joining us, my guest is J.G. Pachella. He's the author of Bring Your Strength, The Imitation Men Have Been Waiting For. It is a new leadership paradigm which supports women leaders and the hidden demographic of men in leadership positions who are ready to actively support women's leadership. He is the co-founder of BringYourStrength.com and Fierce Women LLC, a platform which brings together strong women leaders to share their stories with girls and help them build an expanded sense of what's possible for their futures. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, J.G., for this last segment here, I want to focus on the win for both parties, both men and women here. So, mm-hmm. we started to talk about this in the last segment here, but why would men want to accept this invitation? What's in it for them? Yeah, that, that's a great question, right? Because it seems like a, you're, you know, the, the, with the current paradigm, it kind of seems like you're asking me to give something up. You're asking me to, to give away some of my power and my strength. You want, you want to take my power so you can have more of it. Like it's a zero sum game kind of thing. Like, whereas it's not, it's kind of like, well, even for example, with love, if, 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 if I, if I have two pieces of pizza and I give you a piece, I have less pizza now, but if I have love in my heart and I give you love, now I have more love because it generates more love. So I think Mm -hmm. it's actually similar with strength. I mean, when you give this kind of strength away, it makes you a stronger man. Like if for me as a man, when I am in that process of listening and supporting and collaborating and, and really trying to get to how do we, how do we move the needle? And so many of the women leaders I've talked to have said to me, Hey, you know, I just want it to be for humanity. You know, it's not like I have a woman only agenda. You know, it's like they always really so many hasten to add to the conversation. Look, I'm not trying to put men down. I'm not trying to, we don't want to run everything. And, and, and that gets to this thing that I, I call the fear of the takeover. That's the psychological phenomenon. This sort of thing of like the fear of the takeover is, you know, like, what do they want now? You know, next thing you know, they're going to want all the senators have to be women and all the congressmen. They, they're not going to stop. till everybody's a woman. And, you know, and that's the fear of the takeover. Same with race. You talk about racial equity. It's like, what do they want now? We gave them, the, they're not going to stop till they own everything. And, and, and it, gender, you know, it, race, orientation, you know what? Now the gay people want to get married. They want marriage equality. Now they're going to like take over and they're going to make us get married and, and they're going to make everybody gay. And oh my God, they're going to make my kids gay. And it's like, and that may sound a little controversial for show, but it's like, I don't know, but, but it's a fear of the takeover. Nobody wants to make you gay. Nobody wants, women don't want to run everything. People of color don't want to like take every position. People just want to be treated with dignity, respect, equality, equal opportunity, fairness. It's so basic. It's, it's just, it's really basic, but we are up against, again, changing these norms and all that baggage. So people fear change, you know? You do. And, and so this is kind of something to, I think, lean into a little bit here for, for, the, for the male population. You make a really bold promise at the end of your book to men. And it's something along these lines, and I'll ask you to weigh into this. But you say something like, accepting the invitation, you will be welcomed, appreciated, enriched, and co-create a quantum leap forward, which will impact generations to come and be a sea change. That sounds pretty darn good to me. That's Say more. pretty bold. <laughs> right, that's pretty bold. So, it's like, how do you know? <laughs> Can you prove that? Yeah. How do you know? No, that's bold. Yeah, that's a bold thing. And I believe every word of it, Elise. I believe every word of that. That's I, I do, wrote. too. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. And I think it's good, though, to, to say, yeah, how, what does that look like? And Because maybe that isn't 
readily apparent or, you know, it's not, that's also part of the conversation we could be having about gender equity. We're really not having in full this, that part of the conversation. Like what, what does that sea change look like? And, and, and I said that also too, because most men don't know that they're going to be welcomed with this. Like in most men in the hidden demographic, well, well, how would they know? You know, how would we know? How, how, how would we know? This is, this is new territory. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that brings to mind, I wanted to, to say that the, the central question that, that's at the core of this work that my partner in Fierce Women, Christina Aldon, my co-founder with Fierce Women and Bring Your Strength, this is what we're doing together, Christina and I, is, is this question, and, and it, was, it came about very organically, and, and it was, I, I was talking to all these women across the country and, and asking them and doing sort of a social experiment about leadership and how many have, have men ever asked you the question, will you lead me? Have they ever sought out your leadership? And most said, oh, my God, are you kidding me? No, of course not. Or some say, well, yeah, I mentored a guy once in my law firm. Or, you know, but there, so it was this thing of, of, of will you lead me? Let me what's it like to ask a woman to lead you as a man? What's that, how does that, what does that look like? So, so then we did that for a little bit, some videos about that, explored that. And then the next question became, well, let me ask you this. And again, it was very organic how it happened and unfolded. That's why I wanted to share it. But I said, let me ask you this. If you went into your office tomorrow and not just one, but a number of men, male colleagues uh, approached you and said, you know, I really want to learn about your leadership style. I'd like to learn about your leadership style. And I don't want to be just another team member here, but, you know, I would really like to powerfully and actively support your leadership vision. Could you tell me what your leadership vision is? And could you tell me how I could powerfully support that vision? And so many women at least said to me, Oh my goodness, I can't imagine one guy saying that to me, let alone a bunch. And then I said, well, you know, <laughs> I said, yeah, it sounds a little probable, right? But let me ask you this. If you felt that they did not have a hidden agenda and that they were sincere, if you felt that, would you welcome that question? Is that a question you would welcome from your male colleagues, whether it be CEO or somebody, VP, a colleague up or down, would you welcome that? And almost to a one, the responses were unbelievably emphatic was like, are you kidding me? It'd be unbelievable. That would be a sea change. That would be incredible. That would change everything. Are you kidding me? So here's the kicker though. The kicker is the men don't even know that they're allowed to ask that question. How can I powerfully support your leadership vision? Men don't, right. they don't even know they're allow, allowed to ask that question. And furthermore, they don't, even have the roadmap. They don't even have the framework and back to the lexicon. They don't even have a language. Like who's doing that right now? Who's out there saying, how can I powerfully support your leadership vision and getting a real answer? Like, and again, this isn't fluff. This is like a, a, a real substantive question that has an answer. So that, the, and, and, and again, it can be top down. It can be the CEO, if he's a man saying to the VP, how can I, as CEO, as a man, as a coworker, colleague, how can I powerfully support your leadership vision in your department, in this hospital, in this law firm, in this wherever? And she can say, well, actually, I've been trying for the last six months to do X, Y, and Z in the department and so on and so forth. Here's how you could exert your power as a CEO and strength. Here's how you could powerfully support my leadership vision for the next 12 months. Here's exactly how. And then that's the embeddable part. And so, so these, this is the conversation we could be having around this gender 
equity things change. That's that's the part I'm passionate about. But but to finish to get back again to to what's the big promise? Like, here's the thing. It's 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 liberation. <laughs> it's it's liberation for women. It's liberation for men because totally see that when yep. when when we shed all of that stuff. And I'm not just talking about the toxic masculinity because there, there, there's a lot of great work being done out there now by men who are talking about how much this harmed them. You know, having yes. to be so hard and tough all the time and uh, just like crippled them emotionally. And, you know, but, but even not as those extremes, but even on the more subtle levels, you know, it's very freeing. It's very freeing. It, 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 as a man when I hit the point where I felt I let go of all that stuff personally and shed it. And I still struggle with it every day about like norms about, you know, being a dude, being a guy, whatever. It's like an ongoing thing, but I'm comfortable in my own skin. But when I shed that, it was a very freeing experience. When I got to the point where I could say as a grown man, I'm comfortable with my, I'm secure in my manhood. I'm secure in my masculinity. That's a very powerful feeling because that means that I can go out and support a woman doing anything that's powerful and not be threatened by her power and say, yeah, let's do this. How Sounds good to this? me. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost out of time here, JG, and I want I have just two more quick questions if I can get them in. Um, share with us, what is your vision of the world when it works well and when people are appreciated, enriched, and co-creating? What does that look like? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really powerful vision because when you're less free when 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 you're when you're a man who has to stay in those constraints of well I got to do this I have to do this and I have to be tough I got to be hard I can't do that it, it, it's everybody loses you know it, it it's it's very constrained you know so so the vision of of having that freedom and that fluidity to be able to to say. I can do what I want as a man or as a woman as far as what I like, who I like, what I like to do, how I like to express myself. It's a much more liberated thing. But then obviously, you know, for the women and the girls who are dealing with this every single day in tiny ways, in powerful ways, in big ways, you know, from the whole spectrum of harassment all the way up to, you know, it, it – it has to come from the top down. So, so, so in other words, when we do that top down culture change and all these organizations and governments and society at large, it's going to be a huge win because, you know, that, that, uh, that basic stuff around, you know, representation of people in office, decision makers, leaders, like all of that stuff. And, and frankly, it's been so, you know, out of balance anyway in terms of hyper-masculine, aggressive stuff. We, we need women's leadership right now. And, and one of the women I spoke to, she told me, when I said to her, I said, I love strong women. She said, that's great, JG, but we don't need your love. We need you to trust our leadership. <laughs> that's so great. Isn't that great? No, it's that's oh, great. Wow. And, and that was when I had to take my own advice, which is my advice around this stuff is two things we have to give ourselves permission when we're doing social change around race, around gender orientation we have to give ourselves permission to number one not know to not know i don't know how to do this like how, what's the next step what am i supposed to say what am i not like i don't know so permission to not know as long as you're being respectful and then second is permission to be awkward 
give ourselves permission to be awkward. And so that was my awkward moment. One of many, many, many awkward moments. I'm like, I love strong women. She said, well, yeah, that's great. But you know what? We don't need you to love us. We're fine. We need you to trust us and trust our leadership. <laughs> so, I, and I was like, wow. And at first I was like, whoa, 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 wait, oh, no, no, I'm in trouble. Yeah. But, but it was like permission to be awkward. I was like, cool. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna start saying that. I'm gonna give you credit for it. She told me to say, so it was like, um, you, you know, so trust women's leadership. So, so I think a lot of women too that I've spoken to, it says, yeah, yeah, they ask us to lead and then they don't trust the leadership. So, so I said, you know, trust the leadership. So, yeah. Okay. Beautiful way to finish. Great way to finish. Trust the leadership. JG, I want to thank you so trust much women, for doing Trust women's leadership. Yeah. Right. I, trust I, women's I, leadership. Yep. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and for the tidal wave that you're causing and for being a guest on the show today. Thank you very much. Elise, thank you so much for having me on the show and, and giving me an opportunity to share this work that I and, and Christina were so passionate about. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to you for the work that you're doing and for giving me this opportunity. Sincerely, um, it's, I'm, I'm very excited. So, so big, big thank you again for having me on. Thank you so you're, much. You're so welcome. Well, we'll be together in this movement. And listeners, if Absolutely. you want to learn- if you want to learn more about J.G. Pachella and the work he and his partner are doing, visit bringyourstrength.com. Again, bringyourstrength.com and join the movement. Next week, we'll be on the air with author Dan Schauble talking about his latest book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>